Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to New Books Network. I'm Deidre Tyler, host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking with Juliette Fay, the author of Catch Us When We Fall. How are you doing today, Juliette? Just wonderful, Deirdre. Thanks for having me on the show. Great. I wonder if you could begin by saying a few words about yourself and how you became interested in this great project. Um, so, um, I have been an author. My first book came out in 2009. Um, Catch Us When We Fall is my sixth book. Um, and I became interested in it. Um, perhaps should I tell you a little bit about the, the, the premise of the story and that might be helpful. Um, so Catch Us When We Fall is about Cass Macklin. She's 29 years old and she has had a bit of a rough childhood. Um, she's really kind of on her own in the world. Um, at the age of 18, she met Ben McGreevy and they fell in love and they really cared a lot about each other, but they both had some baggage and, uh, they, they sort of dealt with that baggage by drinking. They partied their way through their 20s, and uh, that that partying really devolved into some pretty serious alcoholism by the time the book starts. And in fact, on page one of the book, um, Ben has died of alcohol poisoning. Um, And very shortly thereafter, Cass learns that she's pregnant. Um, So she's at a a real important moment in her life. She's at sort of that U-turn moment. What you know, are you going to be able to turn things around? She very much wants to have this baby and be a good mom. She knows she has to get sober to do that, but she doesn't have much in the way of resources. She's broke. She has kind of an awful little job that she's trying to hang on to. She doesn't really have any sober friends. Um, So she, she sort of at wit's end turns to the only person that she thinks can possibly help her. And that is Ben's brother, Scott McGreevy. Scott is a, um, third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. So, um, you know, Scott has his own issues and he is not terribly interested in helping her out. Um, He has spent a lot of the last 10 years bailing Cass and his brother Ben out of, you know, alcohol-fueled messes. And he's very wary of her. He doesn't actually think that she's capable of getting sober. Um, and Cass is not crazy about him either. She, you know, he was always sort of a wet blanket and he's, he's kind of tightly wound. Um, but the two of them are united in their investment in trying to get this baby safely into the world. So they make a deal. And the deal is this, Cass can live with Scott in his house, um, and try to get herself on the right track, um, get sober. And, uh, Scott will allow this until and unless she takes a drink, at which point he promise her, promises her that he will put her on the lawn. So that's the premise of the story. Um, and, you know, I think your question was how I came to get involved in this project. And, and I will say that alcoholism has played kind of an important role in my life. 
Um, I was raised by a dad who was struggling with the disease of alcoholism my whole childhood, um, which was, as you can imagine, not optimal. Um, he did go into recovery uh, about 30 years ago. And so he, um, which was, you know, wonderful for the whole family. Um, and as much as his alcoholism had an impact on my childhood, his recovery really had an impact on me too. Um, I, I learned a lot about it. And one of the things that I learned uh, was that it's not just about not drinking. It's really also about, um, you know, becoming clear with yourself, being honest with yourself, being honest with other people, um, taking responsibility, making amends, and self-forgiveness. That's a really important point, too. Um, so I, um, that's what was sort of the impetus for me to come up with a, an alcoholic character. Oh, great. Now, you also talked about a lot of the AA meetings. How important was this for Cass in the story? Well, AA is really instrumental. Alcoholics Anonymous, um, uh, many people know about, and, and it's not the only um, recovery program out there, but it's probably the most well-known. Um, and, and Alcoholics Anonymous, um, first and foremost, is a community. And it really is important for people struggling with alcoholism to have other people they can turn to without without shame or fear, um, without worrying that their secrets are going to be told other places. Um, and, and it really offers alcoholics a lot of tools to, to get on the right track and to get them, you know, bring their lives back. You know, I noticed another thing in the book, all the opportunities that we have to communicate and connect with friends and family, they're all usually revolves around drinking. So I thought that was uh, interesting how you blended that in. Can you give the author or the audience more information? Sure. I think, you know, dear, you make such a good point, especially with the holidays coming up. Um, you know, there's often a lot of, you know, have a glass of wine or, you know, go to a party or, you know, New Year's Eve parties are, are famous for people going a little wild. And if you're somebody who can control your drinking, you know, that's fine. But if you're somebody for whom alcohol really is a huge problem, it's, it's a lot to face. Um, and I, th I think one of the things that, that alcoholics really struggle with is how to, how to sort of live a normal life and be part of the greater community when, um, when people are drinking around them and they know that that's a danger for them. Um, and some alcoholics, uh, my father included, is perfectly fine having other people drink around him. Uh, for others, it's really, you know, it's a real temptation. We know that Scott was like the savior. What made you think about incorporating someone who had that social class and that status into a, a normal everyday life person? Usually that doesn't occur. Well, you know, that's so interesting that you see him as a savior, Deirdre, because, you know, Scott really has his own problems, too. Scott is, um, you know, he was raised by, um, you know, some tough parents, a father who was abusive and a mother who, you know, was really very much more interested in her own needs than anyone else's. And, you know, one of the things that I decided early on was that Scott was going to be a baseball player, but I, I didn't know if I would stick with that. I thought, well, let's, let's give that a try. And then as I wrote, I saw that baseball was really sort of Scott's drug of choice, that baseball was the thing he was using 
to keep himself from having deeper relationships with other people, to keep himself from having to think about, you know, horrible events in his past. Um, and it really becomes a crutch for him. And I think that as much as he's able financially to support Cass and little by little to learn how to support her emotionally as well, um, in many ways, it's Cass who saves him um, by, by, you know, when she starts going to AA and she starts learning how to live a, a sort of a healthier life and she brings that home to him, you know, he has to, he has to adjust to that and he, he gets sort of a course correction too. So I think in many ways they help each other. Well, tell the audience about the scaffolding process. I am just so, um, I really love to see how authors go about placing their characters. You know, Ben was out of the picture at the first go round of the book, but tell us more about how you came to scaffold the whole picture. Um, so I think by scaffolding, you're talking about how I structured it to sort of pull different threads of, um, of you know, different plot plot threads together. Is that is that what you're talking about, Deirdre? Exactly, because it is so, you have a way of doing it so easily, making those transitions. Oh, aren't you nice? Thank you. That's, that's wonderful to hear. Um, well, I think that, you know, it's, it's, um, Something where, you know, I sort of start with the main characters and I think about, you know, what is, what is their story? What are, what are they, what's, what's the, what's the theme? What is it that the story that they want to tell? And then I start thinking about, you know, that the secondary characters and how they're going to sort of either pull the main characters off course or challenge the main characters in some way or, and, or teach them something. So those threads get sort of interwoven. And I sometimes I go back and I change things and, you know, I don't always get it right the first time. That is for sure. That's what second and third and 10th drafts are for. Um, but I, I will say this, that as I write, um, I begin to learn more and more about the characters and, and what they need and who might be an important force in their lives. And then I can sort of build those secondary characters Sometimes I really don't have a real grip on things, even until the middle of the story. And then I, I, I get into a, a flow, sort of a groove of like who everybody is and how they interact with each other. And then sometimes I have to go back and, and change the, the beginning of the book if it doesn't sort of connect with what I have learned about them once, you know, once I've gotten further along into the story. You know, I really liked the way you dealt with apartment hunting. I, I <laughs> That was really good. Tell the audience more about that. So, you know, the, the, the arrangement between Scott and Cass is really supposed to be temporary. She's going to move in for a month, find a place to live. And then he, then he sort of feels like he can, you know, he, he did, he puts her in, in rehab, he pays for rehab and then he lets her live with him for a month. And so throughout the course of the story, she's looking for an apartment to move into. And sometimes he's part of that, um, that process as well, um, driving her around to find apartments. Um, and it's really Cass's search for a home. Um, she's trying to find where her home is. And as somebody who's been sort of off and on homeless um, over the course of her life, whether it was because she was in the foster care system or because she and her boyfriend were, you know, not paying rent and sort of couch surfing, 
this is really, you know, a, a period of time where Cass is trying to find her safe place. And, um, and so Scotty is a part of that. And sometimes he gets in the way and sometimes he's instrumental. Now, give the listening audience more information on Ben. Why did you leave him out? That's just one of my questions. Ben? Right. Well, you know, it's very interesting, Deirdre. I sort of feel like I didn't leave him out. I mean, he was not alive, but he is such a force in the novel. Ben is, you know, Cass's boyfriend who has died of, you know, they're at his, his funeral on page one. And, um, and yet who Ben was is very much a current um, impact on Cass's life. As she becomes sober and, and sort of sees more clearly what that relationship was about. And as much as she loved Ben, he was not always a good influence on her. Um, and so as, as, the, as the story goes on, she sort of sees that relationship more and more clearly. So in some ways, he is a part of the story. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to start, I could have started the story anywhere, right? I could have started it when she was 13 and her mom died and she went into foster care. Or I could have started it when she met Ben. But I decided to start it when she, very shortly before she finds out the most important piece, which is that she's pregnant and she has to get sober. So Ben, you know, Ben is no longer alive at that point, but I still think that he's very much important part and a character in the story. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time. Is there something else you would like to tell the audience about your future projects and what you're working on now? Sure, Deirdre. Thank you for asking. I um, I have my next book um, should be coming out in about a year. Um, and that is a story, um, it's a very different story. It's a story that was inspired in some ways by the times we're in now. And I've, I've read, and maybe you have too, a bunch of articles about how people are sort of taking this time, you know, COVID times to sort of rethink and review their lives. And, you know, some people are saying, I don't, I don't want to work in this job anymore, this industry anymore. I don't really want to be with this person anymore. I really need to move to a different city or I want to move closer home. So people, I think, are, are as a result of the pandemic, sort of looking at their lives and making choices. So I had this idea about what if you were looking at your life and you didn't like what you saw? So the character is, um, her name is Helen Spencer, and she's kind of reviewing her life and she's saying, you know, how did I get here? She's she's in her 50s and um, she's now a grandmother of a young baby. Um, and she she's she's reviewing how the domino effect of the little decisions she made in her life that all seemed like the right decision at the time turned out to be not so great and turned out to sort of turn turn the direction of her life sideways. And she can trace all these little decisions back, all these little wrong decisions to a night that she spent in the woods when she was 18 years old, 40 years ago, with a boy that she loved um, and who loved her. And they have this wonderful night together and the next day everything blows up. And as a result, she decides, she makes decision A and then decision B and decision C. And she's sort of thinking about that when suddenly he, um, she crosses paths with him. And she doesn't want to think about it. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to talk to him about it. She wants to, she really wants to keep thinking this is all water under the bridge. 
but he really needs to talk about it. And it's, so it's, the story goes back and forth between their time together in high school and their processing all that has happened since um, together in the present. Um, and it's got, a, it's got a tentative title, which I think will change. Right now it's called With Me All the Time, but I think that will, that could change. I'm not sure. We'll see what my editor says. And that should be coming out in a little over a year. Wow. I um, can't wait to read it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I hope maybe I'll get a chance to come back on your show when that comes out. Yes, please do. Thank you um, again for the interview. Sure. Uh, can I add one more thing, Deirdre? Yes, please. Um, so one of the things I like to make sure that re listeners know is that um, if you're in a book club and you choose one of my books for your group, I would be happy to um, join you by Zoom for the discussion of the book if you would like me to do that. Um, and the best way to, to, to reach out to me, if that's of interest to book club members, is through my website, which is julietfay.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.